Alright, what's up New York? How's it going? I'm Ross Vacaturo bringing you guys the first episode of the Apples Apples podcast where we're mainly going to talk Rangers, Mets, and honestly everything going on in the world of New York sports. And I mean, what better time to kickstart a New York sports team podcast? And right now, you know, at the time of recording this, you know, uh, coming up on 11 p.m. here on uh, April 8th, you know, uh, just finally starting to enter the uh, 2023 baseball season. And at the same time, have, uh, you know, seeing... You know, the later stages of the uh, basketball and hockey uh, regular seasons wrap up before, of course, we have uh, round one of the respective playoffs uh, get underway. And I mean, uh, you know, like I said, what better, you know, what better time to kickstart a, a New York sports team podcast? Because I was scrolling Twitter before and uh, credit to Peter Body of the uh, New York Post and uh, SNY uh, creditor as well. He tweeted out, uh, quote, if the Islanders can grab one of the two wildcard spots in the East, this will be the first time since 1994 that the Rangers, Islanders, Devils, Knicks, and Nets all make the playoffs. And he also added, of course, the spring of 1994 was a crazy time in New York. Rangers wound up winning the Cup. Knicks lost in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. But it felt like there was a big event here every night for for, for two months. And, uh, you know, you know, barring the Islanders clinching the playoffs, but like you brought up, but, uh, you know, that... that Wild card race in the East coming down to mainly them, the Penguins in Florida. It's, you know, it's a juggernaut between the three of them. You know, some teams having games in hand and strength of schedule and all that. But if that, you know, and it's looking like it's a very realistic possibility. I mean, he even brought it up. 1994, you know, I wasn't alive for it. You know, I was 13 years late to the party. But you hear all the stories, obviously. You know, the Blue Shirts bringing it, bringing it home, bringing the cup home. This one will last a lifetime, you know. Uh, you know, Mark Messier, the Messiah, lifting the cup, and obviously, yeah, you know, the Knicks coming up short to the Rockets. But all in all, in the finals. But all in all, you know, there was always something going on in the city. There was always, you know, um, you know, buzz in the city. That something, you know, there was there was always a dog in the fight. Even the Devils, you know, Rangers beating the Devils en route to the to the to the cup, beating them in the the Eastern Conference Finals. So. You know, if we're eyeing up a similar uh, similar situation, you know, between the two sports, and even I brought up, you know, the Mets and Yankees being underway, you know, we always, you know, the Yankees have always been in the fight, you know, you know, you, you point back to the, the teams, you know, the, the with the boss, George Steinbrenner, all those teams, the dynasty with Cheater and, and you know, uh, Moe and all those names, you know, obviously even way, way back when, you know, Mantle and all those names, you know, the Yankees have been one of the, you know, America's most successful franchises of all time if not the most successful but now you finally got the Mets in the fight too you know Mets staying relevant ever since uh Stevie Cohen bought the team what was it now we're looking at the third year under his ownership yeah his third year the third year of uh New York Met baseball under Steve Cohen's ownership and uh listen man Met baseball is relevant now you can say what you want and, I, and I'll get more in depth with things you know later in the episode but we're looking out Teams on the ice, on the court, you know, most likely all going to make the playoffs. You got two relevant ball clubs. You also got in football, you know, you got the Giants coming off a surprising playoff push, you know, where many people didn't even expect them to make the playoffs in the first place, let alone beat my, uh, happen to be my favorite football team, the Minnesota Vikings, en route to getting killed by the Eagles. But nonetheless, making a playoff push that nobody expected them to even be close to, to achieving. You know, many people saw them finishing, you know, towards the bottom, being in the hunt for, you know, C.J. Stroud or uh, Bryce Young, you know, assuming had they not, you know, had not had a great season, probably would have plug, pulled the plug on a, on any Daniel Jones exper experiment 
in the future. But you know, he wound, he winds up getting a payday, and you know, the Giants are once again looked at as contenders. And now you got the Jets. You know, the other night, shout out to uh, Boomer and Geo having their uh, their live show uh, down in Jersey City. Had Joe Douglas show up as a, as a guest, surprise guest, and basically confirmed if we, you know, already didn't need the confirmation, but, you know, audibly confirmed that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet. It's basically if and not when. No, it's when and, if, and not if, rather. You know, it's a waiting game. Rodgers is most likely going to be here, but, I mean, you know, you really can't call New York fans crazy for, you know, still having some doubt. I mean, I brought up the Mets being relevant, right? You know, a couple years ago, you know, Stevie Cohen not under control. You're looking at a Wilpon uh, ownership. You know, you're not even in the hunt for a name like Carlos Correa. And we all know, you know, the what, a week, week and a half that Carlos Correa was a Met. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, we're looking at Carlos Correa put on a glove and uh, lace up a pair of cleats in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota every day, every other day. So, but I mean, when that looked like a, basically a given that Carlos Correa was coming to Queens... And you know, obviously we now know he never he never went up coming here. You know, with the with the medical and all that, and and, and the, the length of the contract. But that basically felt like a done deal. And now we're looking at him not play third base for the Mets every other day. So I could kind of see why Jet fans would have some concern. But I mean, if Joe Douglas has the uh, you know is confident enough to basically stand in front of a, a large group of people, many of which you could assume are probably Jet fans. You know, probably some Giant fans mixed in there too, but a large majority of people being Jet fans stand in that crowd and say Aaron Rodgers is going to be here. It's basically safe to assume he is going to get the job done. And, I mean, Joe Douglas has been, uh, uh, I'd say, more than uh, favored by Jet fans looking at some of the moves he's made compared to older administrations. But I want to talk mainly about the baseball because we got hockey is basically coming to an end. You got the Devils still possibly could take the Metro, but it's, it's looking... More and more likely by the day that Carolina's going to win the Metro. I mean, Devils, I think, could pass Carolina technically. They're playing Boston while I'm recording this. It might actually be final by now. I don't know. But uh, I'm pretty sure as I'm recording this, the Devils were a point behind the, the Hurricanes for the, uh, the the first place in the Metro, clinched the one seed in, in the division. But uh, actually, the Bruins, it went final. Bruins defeat them 2-1 in regulation, so... They stay a point behind Carolina, but more and more by the day. Devils got two two games left. Carolina's got three. Carolina's got a game in hand, a point lead ahead of them. So it's looking more and more likely that Carolina's going to take the division. But, I mean, you got that slim possibility the Jersey could take. You got a slim possibility that the Rangers actually win it, but that's even more or less likely. So, and, you know, the Islanders we brought up are in a heated uh, wild card race. But other than that, I mean, even the, the, the basketball is completely locked up. You got the the Knicks are going to play a seven-game first-round series against the Cavaliers. And, you know, there's the storylines with Donovan Mitchell and all that. We'll get into that later down the road. And you got the uh, Kevin Durant-less, Kyrie Irving-less Brooklyn Nets heading up to Philly to play their old uh, front James Harden. You know, Harden versus Simmons, all that. Seven-game series there, but uh, they're not moving. The East is pretty much set all around, I'm pretty sure. Might be something going on that play-in, but uh, as far as New York... Goes, you know, five and six Knicks and Nets. They're locked in. Hockey is pretty much locked in aside from the Islanders, but we'll get into that later down the road. I want to mainly talk about the, uh, you know, the baseball. I brought up Mets and Yankees, you know, kicking their, uh, getting their season started a couple days ago. I think, you know, what was it? What was the opening day? This, uh, not this past Thursday, the, the Thursday before. We're looking now 
Oh, look at the standings now. You got the Mets are five and four, second in the NL East, only to the Braves. You got Philly, Washington, and Miami all sitting at three and five. Well, Philly's three and five, Washington, Miami at three and six. But you got the Mets started off down at South Beach. You know, aside from what they dropped the second game, but first, first game, and then the two after the uh, games one, three, and four all getting the W in. You know, some more convincing than others. You know, offense was respectable. You know, it wasn't anything world-shattering. You know, you don't expect anything world-shattering from that lineup that, you know, honestly, they didn't add that much to, you know, looking at a lineup that, you know, not only crashed and burned in the uh, late stages and early stages, honestly, of well, late stages of the season, basically the entirety of September of last regular season where they had teams to the likings of uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, Miami, Chicago, even Oakland, you know, all those lowly teams that, you know, you know, you name it at the bottom of the standings. And, you know, basically, I'm pretty sure finished, might have finished sub 500, if not, you know, 500 on the dot, but did not handle business against those teams, largely in part to offensive woes that continued into Atlanta in a pivotal, basically, do or die series for the division that shouldn't have happened had they handled business against some of those lowly teams. I hear people saying, you had Scherzer, DeGrom, and Bassett all implode in Atlanta. You need to win one game to win that division. All right, you know what? Atlanta's a good team. You needed to win two games. You might even need to win one game, but let's just say two games. Two games when you got swept by the Cubs. You dropped two or three to the Nationals. I think you even dropped two or three to the Marlins in that stretch. I mean, those are some games that were basically handed to you, and you basically didn't take seriously. You looked at them as basically, you know, trap games. And you wound up playing a three-game wildcard series against the Padres that you didn't think you'd have to play for the first six months of the season. And we obviously know what happened in those three games as well. DeGrom, you know, pitched solid, but didn't pitch like DeGrom. And you had Scherzer and Bazlitt implode. And you had an offense that first two games, you know, first game was crap. Second game was, you know, solid. And the third game, and a do-or-die game for your season that you won 101 games in. You know, for a New York Met franchise that I'm pretty sure only saw three triple-digit win seasons prior to last year, you had a 101-win season go down. You only put up one fight, and it was your premier power hitter in Alonzo. Back cleanup, had a single go down the middle. Your only sign of offense. And you go into an offseason where I brought up Correa was a Met for, what, about a, a week and a half, two weeks? Other than that, your premier additions to this lineup. And keep in mind, too, the deadline, you know, the infamous deadline of Vogelback. You know, the legend Darren Ruff, we don't even need to get into him. Tyler Naquin, he was awful. And now you have that not only that lowly deadline, but now you go into this offseason where, like I said, you your last game, a do or die, you, you got one hit. And your premier ads are Tommy Pham and Omar Nabarez. I mean, you know, that's a, a story for another day. I don't want to take up too much time, you know, screaming and yelling about it. You know, so far, you know, you can see we went. We'll get into that in a second. You know, they mainly added to the pitching. Verlander. You know, who in typical Met fashion just puts on a uniform, puts on a hat with an NY insignia in orange and blue, and all of a sudden now you're even thinking, well, this could go either go from him missing a start or two to him missing the you know the the latter two years of his you know Hall of Fame career, and we just signed this guy for 80 mil across two years for nothing, and you you, you know knowing the Mets, he could just hang up the cleats early, and we never see him pitch for uh, for the Mets, but you know realistically, he said he should be good by uh, late April, early May. So, you know, hopefully there's some truth to that. Kadai Senga, and I mean, honestly, Kadai Senga, so far into the season, might be the uh, undoubted best pickup of the offseason. You know, they handed him, what, they gave him like 7 mil, 
I don't know how many years. He didn't. He didn't get paid as much. Uh, nowhere, nowhere near as much as they gave. Uh, you know, the Dumb and Dumber, the two forty-year-olds, and uh, uh, Scherzer and Verlander. But Kadai Sengo, you know, regardless of what he's making, he put. He had a, a really solid start despite a, a rocky first inning, and his first start down in Miami. He, t- he gets the bump today uh, at home against Miami. Yeah, I got his numbers up here, and uh, carried the load again. So. His first start, this was his start uh, in Miami. You know, five and a third, three hits, one earned run, three walks, and eight Ks. Most of those hits and runs, uh, hits and walks rather, hits, runs, and walk. The only run coming in the first inning. And then, you know, the talk of the town being that ghost fork ball. And uh, largely, you know, deservedly so, because that pitch so far is, you know, it's looked like it's uh, as advertised. You know, being a, a strikeout pitch for the most part, if he doesn't go to that, he goes to the fastball low in the zone. He had a, he got a backwards K on Jazz Chisholm, you know, was looking for the ghost fork and, you know, wound up being a, a fastball right down the dick. But all in all, man, Senga's been uh, worth every penny and some. You also look at, you know, Jose Quintana hasn't, you know, even picked up a ball in that uniform that he's going to be out until, like, you know, the late stages of the summer, you know, July, August return, they were saying. Knowing that will probably be out for the year. And, you know, some, uh, you know, additions to the bullpen where you saw, you know, names to the likes of uh, uh, Trevor May, Seth Lugo going to San Diego, you know, wanting to be a starter. He leaves and, uh, you know, they, they you know, they paid him. He's still in a Met uniform, but he's not going to p- be pitching all year. And that's the uh, the absence of, t- absence of Timmy Trumpet, you know, Narco, took the world by storm, took the Internet by storm. But Edwin Diaz, you heard it once on opening uh you know, home opener, they, they called that his name. They played the trumpets. That's that's all you're going to hear, those trumpets, is here at City Field. You know, we, we all saw the, uh, you know, the injury to Diaz, the non-contact injury to Diaz, celebrating a win. And, uh, you know, they had David Robertson in the bullpen, probably looking at him as a setup man along with Adovino. But who knew he was going to have to pick up the uh, pick up the load in terms of closing games out. He got the, the save tonight. He's been pretty solid, not to touch the money so far, you know, knock on wood, but he's been pretty solid so far to start the year. And uh, Brooks Rayleigh being a, a left-handed addition to the pen, you know, coming from Tampa, and I say a lot, you know, I don't like making a, you know, I don't like when, you know, the Mets make transactions, you know, with the Rays, Brewers, and Giants are the three teams I bring up. You know, Giants, you know, I brought up rough before. We all know what happened there. But you look at, you look at some of these, you know, heavily analytic, you know, analytically, happy organizations, you know, they mainly take these no-name players, flip them at, you know, you know, if they're a pitcher, they're looking like the next Nolan Ryan, you know, if they're at the plate, they're looking like the second coming of Barry Bonds, then all of a sudden, you add them to your team, and, you know, they're barely cracking the 40-man roster, and that's obviously what happened with Darren Ruff, meanwhile, J.D. Davis is out knocking two or three out of the park each day out in the Bay Area, but nonetheless, you look at Brooks Raley, first game right out of the gates in Miami, he looked unhittable, he looked like the next Randy Johnson, they looked like they got the next Josh Hader, you know, prime Josh Hader, who was also lighting it up in San Diego, but Brooks Raley looked unbelievable in his first uh, outing with in Miami for the Mets, but ever since then, uh, he imploded in Milwaukee, and I even bring up that Milwaukee series, they got swept out of the water, first game they lost 9-0, Second game, they lost 10 nothing to the hands of basically Max Scherzer was a contributor for the majority of those runs. I'll get to that in a second. And, uh, you know, uh, this today, tonight's game, letting up a couple of walks, uh, a couple of hits, I'm pretty sure, and I, I'm, I'm even sure he got, I'm pretty sure he even got an earned run. 
you know, aside from that first game, he's looked a little worrisome. Same with Drew Smith, but you're, look, you're seeing some other arms in the bullpen. John Curtis has looked solid. Some other guys carrying the load. Like I said, David Roberts has uh, been pretty solid picking up that closer role that we didn't think we'd have to see anyone pick up because we were pretty sure Edward Diaz was going to be the closer for the foreseeable future. And I go back to what I brought up a second ago with Max Scherzer. You know, his first two starts out of the gate, so his last two starts last year being in Atlanta, his last two notable ones being in Atlanta where he imploded, San Diego where he imploded, you know, both games on the the, the high-level stage, you know, the lights pointed on him. You know, we all know the meme of Trump under the lights. You know, turn turn those lights off. Turn them off. You know, that was basically what Scherzer was doing. You know, that, that basically resembles Scherzer in those two, you know, high-key premier moments. And you look at his first two games this year, you know, uh, he had the uh, opening day. He took the bump against Miami. It was solid through five innings. Just imploded in the sixth inning. Same thing up in Milwaukee. His second star of the year just imploded in the sixth inning. Something with him going through five innings, and, you know, he just doesn't have it anymore. When you're looking at a guy that, you know, albeit he's 40 years old, that brought up, same with Verlander, one of, the, one of them's 40, one of them's pushing 40. You know, you got these two guys towards the latter at tail ends of their Hall of Fame careers, and, I, you know, I bring up Hall of Fame career because they are undoubtedly first ballot Hall of Famers, but they're no longer pitching to the, to the uh, well, Verlander we haven't seen yet, and Verlander's coming off a Cy Young campaign, so, you know, I can't say the same for him yet. But in terms of Scherzer, you know, last year – you know, believe it or not, having his best ERA season, you know, his best season in terms of ERA, but towards the end when it mattered most, he, he was just not the same guy. And you look at the first two starts this year, he, you know, he could barely get through five innings. And when he does, you know, he absolutely, you know, craps the bed. And, you know, when you're looking at Cohen, you're paying this guy top dollar, him and Verlander both being the top paid player in the league AAV-wise. You know, there's got to be some concern there. You know, you're giving those big heavy bucks to these guys to basically be mediocre at best, at least in Scherzer's case. That can't be a great sign. But, uh, all in all, we'll have to see what happens there. And uh, quickly on the Yankees, I mean, you know, to start their season, let me pull up their record. They are they are 5-3 and three to start the year. Today they got the win down at Camden Yards, 4-1 win. Johnny Brito taking the bump again, which is funny. You know, he's 2-0 to start the year. I pull up his stats. He has, bear with me here. All right, he took the bump against San Francisco. He had a five-inning run, two hits, one walk, six Ks, no earned runs. And, you know, people are looking at him like, you know, he was the next, you know, you name it, basically. You know, like he was the next Tom Seaver. But, you know, he looked filthy then, and, you know, tonight, he put up, I'm pretty sure he had, yeah, he had the one, he gave up one run in the first. He didn't look back from there. He gave up three hits and two two walks along with that, had two strikeouts through five innings. So another uh, respectable adding from him. You know, mainly, uh, you know, they got some other things going for him. You look at uh, Garrett Cole, you know, opening day just dominated against San Francisco. He had uh, 11 Ks, followed that up with 8 Ks against Philly, took the win in both. Only gave up, uh, he gave up one run to Philly, but other than that, he's been lights out looking like, you know, the guy they paid big bucks for, you know, bringing him to the Bronx in the first place. You look at Aaron Judge, you know, uh, you know, he's not a, he has one homer so far. He had, uh, or does, he might have two, uh, no, he does, uh, I'm wrong, actually, he has two. He had one on opening day, first, first swing of the season, he had a homer. Other than that, he's had one since he actually, uh, yeah, the, the last game of the San Fred series, but, He's still putting up respectable numbers. He's got a hit. You know, he's averaging a hit, uh, you know, one or two hits a game. You know, he's obviously, you know, most likely not going to repeat that 62 homer season that we saw last year. It's going to be, you know, like once in a lifetime. That's why, you know, 
But if you're cashing, man, you can't just let that season go to waste. But when you're paying him, you're not expecting that every season. And, you know, some people talked about the length of the deal. You know, if you're going to bring back that kind of caliber player that was able to knock out 60 60 plus homers in one season, you know, an AL record, almost an MLB record. You know, you could you could eat up some of those, you know, late stage, you know, two or three years just being washed years. You know, that's that's uh, you know, we we normally see that in these uh, long term contracts. You know, another guy, another uh, hitter to point to in the lineup, Anthony Volpe, highly touted. Uh, it's pretty sure he wound up cracking the top five in the MLB prospect pool. You know, local kid, he went to Del Barton right here in Jersey. You know, grew up being a Jersey fan, watching Jeter, you know, thinking one day that's going to be me wearing the pinstripes is short. And nonetheless, his dream came true. But you look at so far his MLB uh, career, not the greatest start, but you got to keep in mind this kid's what, he, you know, he's 21. Uh, he's got a couple hits to his uh, season so far, but other than that, not much going on for him. But like I said, keep in mind, the guy's just getting uh, getting his feet in the water in terms of, you know, the, the big leagues. So you got to keep that in mind. And, you know, their bullpen... You know, it's not the best, not the worst, but all in all, what they got going on, they're staying afloat. They're right in it. With, I mean, the Rays, you know, shattering records. I mean, they're 8-0 now, but you look at some of the teams they've had to go up against, you know. You know, they start off with the Tigers, Nationals, and Oakland. I mean, you know, anything less than 8-0 would probably be a disappointment, but, you know, knowing them, they'll either finish 500 or they'll wind up, wind up going 162-0. You'll never know what you're getting out of Tampa. You got Toronto, same record, 5-3. and three. Under Yankees, you got uh, Red Sox and Orioles, both at 4-4. Four and four. So early in the season, 162 games. So these eight or nine games are going to be, you know, like basically, you know, mean little to nothing in the long run. But some, uh, st- you know, things to talk about, things to look at, things to eye up early on in the season. And uh, like I said, you know, with the Mets, hopefully you see Verlander take the bump sooner rather than later. Hopefully, you know, Scherzer puts the pass behind him and, you know, turns into, you know, even – Anything remotely close to what he was with uh, Detroit and Washington. And, you know, if Ferlander comes back, you're hoping, you know, you get any signs of the, the Cy Young season he put up last year coming off of Tommy John surgery. And like I brought up, man, Senga being there, you know, no doubt being their best at the season. One thing I did want to bring up, though, and uh, probably be my last point for this first episode. You know, you look at the Mets, you know, they're, they're, uh, tonight, or today rather, and, and the, yesterday, to getting two wins against the Marlins, but largely in part to the Marlins, you know, yesterday having Edward Cabrera out there today, they started Trevor Rogers. You know, they're, you know, the Mets getting runs was largely in part to the Marlins not, you know, their pitching staff not being able to find the zone. I think they were saying Marlins were only second in the league to, to Arizona in, in pitcher walks, uh, at least in ever. I don't know the exact numbers on Rogers, but at least in Edward Cabrera's case, he had five walks in the first three innings of, of yesterday's game before he even gave up a, his, a hit. His first hit being a soft dribbler to second off the bat of Danny Vogel back. He gave up five walks prior to that, and it wound up being he walked the bases loaded, and then he walked Mark Hanna in for the first run. But prior to that, you had Nimmo left on second in the first inning, and then he left two on. Both got on. I think one was, uh, I don't know how they got on, but they left Nimmo on, in, on second in the first inning, left two on in the second inning, and, he, you know, you were close to leaving bases loaded in the third inning. You just happened to take advantage of a guy who couldn't, you know, find the zone to save his life. Even today, I'm pretty sure their first run got walked in or, or something similar. You know, at least in yesterday's case, you know, the offense finally blew up later in the game when it was pretty much, you know, I think it was uh, 6 nothing, And then, uh, you know, the newest Met killer, Garrett Cooper, sent one into the seats. All of a sudden, it looked like a game. Then he had Lindor knock you uh, 
knock a two-run homer, and then you you had Alonso followed up with a solo shot. Even today, you had Alonso have a, have a two-run shot of his own. And Eddie Escobar, you know, Frank the Tank calls him Easy Out Escobar. Today, you call him Easy Out of the Park Escobar. He had his first two-run shot of the year, and you know, he, he, the, the guy needed it, you know. Plain and simple, yeah, at least in today's game, his first uh, at-bat was a diving catch, you know, in the outfield, uh, just a nice play uh, from uh, new, you know, newly center-fielded Jazz Chisholm, you know, just made a nice diving catch and a second at-bat where it was basically caught at the wall by uh, Brian De La Cruz, you know, the camera guy, what a major thought, he sent it out to LaGuardia, but uh, third at-bat, you know, finally sent one into the seats and, you know, plain and simple, the guy needed it. You know, the, the fan base, you know, and I hate to say it because, you know, the guy's, you know, the guy's got an upbeat attitude. He seems like he's good for the dug and all, and, you know, the, the, you know, the rest of the guys love him. But he, he's he been atrocious to start the year. He was pretty bad last year aside from, you know, the month of Escobar last September where he looked like, you know, the second coming. But aside from that, the start to this year, he's been, you know, brutal to watch. So he really needed that. And uh, all in all, man, you know, they're getting runs on the board, and I get runs at the end of the day, the only column that matter, but, you know, some of these situations where you got runners in scoring position, or even worse, you know, bases loaded, and you're basically, you know, scratching and clawing to even get one run on the board, you know, later down the stretch, you're not always going to have these, you know, these pitchers to take advantage of, or, you know, they just can't find the zone, you know, you just happen to get a couple of those early into the season, but later down the road, when you're getting pitching staffs that, you know, have A-plus command, you know, you know, you're nailing them into the strike zone one by one, and all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, you look at this, it's the sixth inning, and you're getting, you know, no hit, one hit, you know, maybe two hit if you're lucky. You know, that's what we saw at some points into the season last year, and we obviously know how that turned out. I don't want to say this is similar to last year, but, you know, just right out of the gates, you know, I think uh, some concerns, and, and similar uh, on the Yankees' case too, they're having some uh, concerns from last year, you know, pop back up to the surface. So all in all, like I said, we're only, uh, you know, a handful of games into the year. We got a couple of months, you know, a lot more than a couple of months for, you know, these these two organizations to even things out, you know, uh, you know, basically get things settled in. And uh, But like I said, it's early, and uh, who knows what's, uh, what things are in the, uh, in the future for both teams. But anyway, guys, appreciate you for tuning in to the first episode of the Apples to Apples podcast, hoping to get a lot more of these out there. Hope, hopefully, uh, Hopefully going to try to stick to a, a consistent schedule. I'm going to still try to map out how I want to put out these episodes, but I'm sticking to, uh, you know, a little around a half hour for this one, probably, you know, for the foreseeable future. going to stick to around a half hour length for each, epi- each episode. But anyway, guys, for this episode, thank you for tuning in. I'll be back on the next episode. I've been Ross Fakaturo bringing you the first episode of the Apples to Apples podcast. See you guys on the next one. Appreciate it.